0: Welcome to The Wonderland, a podcast with coaches Amanda Jones and Alex Linares. Listen in as they drop down the rabbit hole to explore reality, suffering, and awakening. Leave your worries and fears behind and get ready for a taste of The Wonderland. Welcome to episode 38 of The Wonderland, Sticks and Stones. I'll start with um, a poem I found by Ruby Redford. And it says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can also hurt me. Stones and sticks break break only skin, while words are ghosts that haunt me. Slant and curved, the word swords fall. It pierces and sticks inside me bats and bricks may ache through bones but words can mortify me pain from words has left its scars on mine and here that's tender cuts and bruises have not healed it's words that i remember wow wow so <laughs> yeah. i um i actually found that way after this theme came came up and and i just thought it was it was really Really powerful. Um and the the way this topic came up was actually kind of funny. I uh, my kiddos were watching the Power Rangers on a Sunday morning. Um and I'm just walking by the kitchen and I'm I'm a big fan of Power Rangers. So uh it's yeah, a, I saw of the Halloween thing. picture of the costumes. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> um and it, it, it's just of it's an interesting kind of background, but the Basically, they have the best villains, and that's why I love the Power Rangers, right? They have these really creative villains, and that's what this episode was focused on. The name of this villain was Sticks and Stones. And I just, that I stopped in the middle of the hallway and turned around like, what? what's happening here? So the whole premise of this episode is that... Um, the Power Rangers, who are trying to save the universe, encounter this villain. They get sent this villain by the master villain, and his name is Dick and Stones. And they all have these different themes, and and they're they're kind of powering up. And this villain would just say things like, "You'll never be as good as your sister," and they would power down. <laughs> or he would say, "Oh, that's the best you can do." That stupid hat. And then they would power down and, and you know, you would have this really funny interaction of these super, you know, powerful humans that have been given this gift. And then all this villain would do was say a couple of words and that would drain from them. And they were fighting that drain. And I just thought that was genius. Brilliant. <laughs> it's so Brilliant. Um, you'll never
1: be good as as good as your sister you'll never be (sighs) as good as your sister and she's like
0: is he right and (laughs) she's like no that's not true I'm a power ranger and I just found it fascinating that it was so comical and over the top that my brain was very silent like Mm -hmm. it felt seen that Mm -hmm. little voice in my head that says that that wasn't good enough and And I think the -the over-the-topness of seeing it so cartoonish, um, it helped me remember how impersonal that voice is, Mm. right? Something that can be crippling to someone, such as you'll never be as good as your sister. You say that out loud and... I don't have a sister, but I most people who have a sister would probably raise their hand and be like, Yeah, that's popped in my head. Yeah. And oh yeah. It's this kind of universal impersonal series of words that mm. seems to be in the ether of being mm-hmm. human and having a mind and having thoughts. And it was so powerful to see that. It has nothing to do with the words or the content or how it was learned. It's all about who it's talking about. The you that is in the middle of that. And that's really what this evolved into. I thought it was an interesting kind of pointer, right? Like, oh, there's this, this very impersonal voice that tends to have these universal complaints and, um, judgments issues, criticisms judgments criticisms yeah. about the world um, but what is this other um impersonal and universal experience of the one that this is happening to the one that is having these thoughts so that's kind of what i wanted to explore today i think we've explored this in different ways but i mm-hmm. think this is kind of a more head on way to to talk about the 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 referent the referent uh, point of those thoughts of who the you in the middle of those judgments is.
1: Yeah. I see, I see two things here. The referent, the one who's assumed to be hearing them and, 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 and being the, the object of criticism is not, is not seen to be inseparable from the voice it's not see it feels like they're separate they're two separate things and if that is our experience then we will go forth and try to change the story try to say no that's not true i'm okay or whatever which is fine but the deeper thing here to see is that the the one that's talking about and the talking are inseparable. They're the same phenomena. They're the same thought construct. And that doesn't make any sense to the logical mind that that sees separation, but we can get a sense of how that's true. And uh, the second thing is, where does this criticism come from? And it seems to me to be echoes of learned, ideas that were kind of logged in the system as being uh check-ins, kind of a, a check-in balance system of how you're doing, you know, based on parent parental or friends or, you know, the quote, outside world in general. Um just these little nuggets that were learned to be kind of benchmarks of um, keeping tabs on this idea of myself and, and which is a bizarre idea in the first place that we learned that there needs to be something to keep tabs on lest it go
0: running wild with abandon. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that definitely resonates. And um, I think we've shared this quote uh, by Alan Watts before. Um, he says, we seldom realize, for example, that our most private thoughts and emotions are not actually our own. For we think in terms of languages and images, which we did not invent, but were given to us by our society. Exactly. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that's a really interesting um piece to contemplate right which is the, the language piece of it that in, in that sentence uh that, that we we're using as an example you'll never be as good as your sister all those are concepts mm-hmm. right and all those were learned so every piece of that every building block of that as a concept including what that arises uh the feeling that arises mm-hmm. it's learned right we we yeah. We learned that, um, we need to gauge ourselves against others. We learned the concept of you and a sister being better than and really realizing like, wow, all that is learned yeah. and it arises. It can arise reflectively or spontaneously. That, that piece, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of, um, you know, insights exactly on, on how that happens but it does you know we're just present to this experience of things arising and um and then there's this the identification piece of it too is something that's learned yeah and that's what I've been really leaning into is like oh look at that like the 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 identifying with that who who's having these thoughts who these thoughts are about rises as spontaneously as the thought itself the words and the images
1: exactly and what that points to for me is that is our our emptiness at essence that there is no underlying one me that then identifies as something else but there's this freedom and openness and emptiness that is that is available to take on these roles of identification. It is. It, it isn't like I am identifying. <clears throat> excuse me. As um, not being good enough. It's that the not being good enough is taken on wholly because there's just emptiness there, and it's a game of costumes, a masquerading, a hallucination. There's, yeah. there's nothing to un. Uh, uncouple from it because it's all one appearance in that moment just
0: like you said it's immediate yeah it's immediate and I think that's so powerful um Amanda, because the point you made the head if we hear something like that pop up and we identify with it our society has been trying to fix that for so long by by counteracting the thought, by proving it wrong, by digging up why you feel that way about your mm-hmm. sister, <laughs> but going back <laughs> and saying that that whole concept is almost downloaded from brain to brain from yeah. from the brains that learned language mm-hmm. um, and we're not just learning words, we're learning. The concept, what it stands for, that that is what we're, what we're carrying through the generations. And then realizing that this is so impersonal, even though it's felt here, it is learned. Every single piece of that is learned. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to get rid of it. I don't have to feel any differently about it. I don't, nothing has to change except to see, to really sense that it is part of that learning that passive learning that this is that seems to happen in our experience and I think it's important to highlight
1: what you said before is the learning is also the feeling they go together they're inseparable it's not just the concepts that were learned but the whole thing the reaction the feeling everything is is learned and so That's why I think it can get confusing when we say, when we try to battle the concepts and the stories. No, I'm not like that. But why, if I know I'm not like that, why does it still hurt when that is said? Well, because they're inseparable. The feeling is also a learned reaction.
0: Yeah. And that's been um, such an evolution for me to realize that, that learning is not, just an intellectual process of images but but truly a physiological arising right of of learning even like where we begin and end Mm -hmm. physically it's all a learning that takes all our senses and then creates these bundles of of um Mm -hmm. of concepts that that we experience and That's, that's what I loved about the cartoonish nature of how it was presented to me in that day, because now when that voice arises, all I can think of is that character.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it just takes the, it takes the whole thing, uh, it, it reveals the whole thing to be up on stage and, and cartoon.
0: Including the feeling of it. And, yes, and I think that's, that's, that's been incre- the yes. huge shift is that yes, yes, now yes. when it arises and it doesn't feel like certain thoughts are never going to feel great yeah. because the thought and the feeling are the same thing. Yes, I think that's and, a huge distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we speak to it in a lot of different ways, right? So, So we think of a thought. And then we think of believing that thought as two separate things, but there, there's no where's the line between a thought and where you believe it and you don't, right? Like you can say something very like cows are purple, and you're like your body reacts to that, mm-hmm. right? Like that that's spontaneous. That believing piece is spontaneous and part of the thought itself.
1: Yes, exactly. And like I said before, we hear often with clients that I know it's not true, but I still feel this. Yeah. Because the feeling is inseparable from the whole experience of what was learned about that, the meaning of those words. Um, Especially the meaning of me. Again, but there's there is no there is no real me underneath that is being misidentified as not good enough. And I and that I have to fight for to be recognized yeah. and relevant. No, see the real me. That's not me. That's just, that's another whole confusion bundle just from innocent misunderstanding. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that really resonates this idea of the separation of the real self out mm-hmm. of the other selfing that, that arises. And um, I, I found this quote by Caroline Mist that really resonated. And, and this is not verbatim, but she basically says, we live in an impersonal universe that is very intimate. And that really resonates in terms of what it feels like to be alive, right? Like there's a lot of things that we experience that we don't understand. Um, sometimes in this conversation, we can start to get a sense for the impersonal nature of thoughts, of events, of our interpretation of events, of but then there's this very intimate experience that is part of it, and and that seems to be when we're searching for the real self or what what we're kind of pointing to. But we create a person in that in in trying to to articulate what the intimate experience of being alive feels like.
1: Yes, how fascinating is that? I mean, if you look at it as just a a wild phenomenon of intelligence that there needs to be for the brain a reference point in order to go out and learn about itself or which is ironic to go out and learn about yourself out there. (laughs) But that's, you know, again, it's inseparable from all that appears as experience of words and the feelings and the meanings and everything. We don't understand. We don't know. see this whole thing. I think is based on the need to understand what the hell's going on, and to try to understand reality when reality is defined by our inability to understand it. Well, that's <laughs> that can either be a tight, gripped, suffering
0: experience or utter freedom. And there is so much freedom in realizing that these thoughts are impersonal because I, I feel like it lets the, the experience settle into what's mm-hmm. in between that mm-hmm. if we can give it a direction, right? So, so we have thoughts, there's judgments, there's, there's experiencing, there's sensing. And 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 right. And and we don't get so hooked by one of those trying to fix it, trying to change it, but then see where where is this line between the thought and the next thought and the next thought is, is there a line in between those things? And then just really settle into what we try to call the, the now moment that presence that that can you know, be focused on something that's learned or have a wider aperture, um, that includes that, that has been learned. And then the other piece that doesn't need to know or learn anything in order to, to experience.
1: Yes. It's so fascinating, this feeling of it being personal. We hear that all the time, don't we? It, But it feels so personal. How can you say it's not personal? It's about me. <laughs> well, uh, the little nuance there is that there is no persona, there is no person, but personal is a, one of the feelings that we apparently experience. And the confusion comes in when we innocently don't see that the personal, is it referring to an actual, no. <laughs> unchanging, solidified, fixed in place entity? Yeah. No. Personal is one of the feelings, and that's why it's yeah. impersonal. Sadness, happiness, joy, anger, personal. It's all that kaleidoscope of experience
0: and, and feeling. Yeah, I, l- I love that. I think that, that really resonates in terms of, we've talked about this around the word familiar, Right. Something that feels familiar. What is that? Right. And, and if you expand that as a flavor of experience, just like sadness, just like anything else, then you start really getting a felt sense that, that what it is, because there's moments in our day that we're not a person having experiences right there's there's plenty and usually we notice after the fact like oh i was distracted or i was daydreaming Mm -hmm. or we have all these but all it means is in that moment the 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 feeling of personal wasn't there exactly it's like the feeling of sadness or hunger or being rushed like all these are just part of the experience Uh um i was uh dropping off my son at school and they had this huge wall and in huge letters and probably walked by it a million times. And it said character development (laughs) and I just stopped that on my tracks and, and just read those words. And it was kindness and sharing. And, and I just, it hit me so hard. Like, that is the process that we go through in our childhood yeah. it is a true character development and that's fine it's perfectly functional in our society it's yes it's, it's yes what we've done but that's what it is it it just you know when you read a word and it feels like you just like the first time you read it or yeah. a concept like that's really how it landed and it there's just a lot of freedom in seeing the impersonal part of that development as well. That's that's
1: enlightenment is is seeing the character development is is referring to the drama club. Like when you said that, I saw that it was a sign on the door to the drama
0: room. Mm-hmm. And per, yes, perfect. Yeah, that was actually one of the classes that we did in drama was character as well. Yes, it is. <laughs>
1: it is. And the, and that's the uh, the thing to see I think is that that's never that's all that's the only thing that's happening. There isn't real life and then theater. It's all it's all drama and theater Thank and you. comedy. And and to be able to have the freedom to allow yourself to be a character with abandon and switch roles with abandon and 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 recognize the spontaneity of how those arise uncaused undone by some real self somewhere pulling the strings there's there's just a relaxation there's a there's a flow
0: there's a wonder yeah hmm I think I have the perfect quote to to close this out today. And of course, it's by Alan Watts. And he says, man suffers only because he takes seriously what the gods made for fun. This has been the Wonderland Podcast. If you'd like to explore further with Amanda or Alex, visit Amanda's website at uncoveryspace.com or Alex's website at canemacoaching.com.